service. What is up, listeners? Welcome back to another episode of the Full Service Podcast. I am Tank Smith, your host. Today is episode 39. Thanks for being here. Shout out to my guests from last week, Sophia Soma and Sarah St. Clair. Sarah, Sophia, thanks for coming on the podcast. Listeners, if you've not listened to last week's episode, Margarita Party, what are you doing? It was a good time. <laughs> if you've not yet, give Sarah a follow on Twitter at Sarah St. Clair XXX. You can find Sophia at Sophia Soma XO. I have links to all their social media and their websites in the Lipson page. So go to the Lipson page from last week. Give them a follow. While you were there, give us a follow as well. We're on Instagram and Twitter at Full Service Pod. My personal Instagram and Twitter at Tank Funkadelic. Today's a special day. Today is a special day. I'm recording this on Sunday. We uh, we actually hit 10,000 downloads today. So thank you to everybody who's ever listened to the podcast. I truly fucking appreciate that. That's fucking that's amazing. When I started this, I didn't know I didn't know what was gonna happen at all. So 10,000 downloads, that's incredible. Like if you've been rocking with us for a while, if this is the first episode you've ever listened to, thanks for fucking being here. That's that's awesome. Uh, <laughs> if you like the podcast, if you enjoy this, make sure you are subscribed. On whatever platform you're listening to us on, we are also on YouTube. Search Full Service Podcast. Search Full Service with Tank Smith. You will find us. Make sure you're subscribed there. If you can give us a rating, if you could write a review, that would be amazing. That would be incredibly helpful. I would appreciate that and perhaps give you a hug if we were to come in some kind of human contact. You know, Maybe we could make that happen. Uh, <laughs> today, episode 39, my guest... LA-based model, companion, pilot, member of Mensa, Amy Taylor is on the podcast. We recorded this, I guess it was like, I guess like mid-May. I think I recorded this right before uh, the Chantel interview. So I guess, I guess the beginning of May when uh, the world was still fine, you know, we're all quarantining. Uh, So (laughs) shout out to Amy. Amy, thanks for coming to the podcast. This is a a good time. You can uh, follow Amy on Twitter at AmyTaylor1 on Instagram at Amy Taylor LA. I'm excited for this one. We talk about her starting a companionship, dealing with crazy clients, getting a hit put out on her, fucking being a genius. It's crazy. Uh, <laughs> so t- stay tuned. I'm fucking excited. Uh, sit back, relax. Ooh boy. This is my interview with Amy Taylor. Thanks. Welcome back, listeners. It is Tank Smith. I am so excited for this episode today. <laughs> my guest is a Los Angeles-based companion, model, pilot, member of Mensa, Amy Taylor. Amy, thanks for being on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Hell yeah. I'm glad I'm glad I'm glad we could make it happen. It's uh we're living living in the age of corona. It's it's crazy out there. It is. We don't go outside anymore, so it's nice yeah. to anybody, especially you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How is uh how's Los Angeles? I don't know, but I know the inside of my house. <laughs> Um, I'm kidding. Um, you know, it's crazy times, as you said, but at least the weather's beautiful. So when I'm, when I'm allowed, I'm still allowed to walk the dog. So that part's nice. Okay. I feel like there's more squirrels out because there's less human activity and traffic. And so my dog is just in like murder mode all the time. It's really, yeah. I never even, I never even thought about this. Just these squirrels must be loving Corona. Jesus Christ. Has anyone asked? Are the squirrels re- responsible? I don't know. <laughs> they started it all to get rid of us humans. Stop having <laughs> God damn. As you, I'm sure you've read, there's less traffic, there's less pollution, the air's cleaner. There's always an 
it's it's amazing like driving it like atlanta is one of the worst cities i mean i'm sure la is crazy but uh atlanta traffic is it's unbearable and then driving in atlanta now is it's it's beautiful it's smooth it's it's unlike anything. It's 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 incredible. I think um, your traffic is worse than ours. The, the few times I've been to Atlanta, and I don't understand why half the streets are named Peachtree. Yeah, it's. <laughs> <laughs> I actually grew up in a town uh, called Peachtree City. Of course you uh, did. Like, yeah, <laughs> we yeah. drive golf carts. It's crazy. Oh my god, that sounds adorable. Yeah, my high school had a uh, like a golf cart parking lot. What? Yeah, all the all, like uh, a lot of the grocery stores have golf cart parking like uh golf cart parking spaces. There's like 90 miles of golf carts and people just like drive around golf carts everywhere. How fast can you get a golf cart going? Um, I think most governors kind of like top out around like 20 miles an hour, but some uh that don't have governors on it, you can go down a big hill, you can get that shit just like however fast it'll go. <laughs> it's pretty fast for having no doors. Yeah, that shit. That shit can be scary though. There's people that have like flipped. I know people that have like flipped golf carts. Uh, my buddy's like broken the axle on his golf carts. People like yeah, golf cart crashes can be kind of dangerous. Yikes! I know yeah. some of the golf courses stayed open in some counties in California. Basically, in all this nonsense, it depends which mayor had a buddy and decided what was essential, right? So yeah. uh, one of the mayors in in the county where I was uh, lived as a kid, Sacramento. He's a big golfer, so all the golf courses there stayed open. But they're not allowed to drive carts. They have to walk. Really? I don't know if that's like a virus thing or just, I don't know. Yeah, I know here, I know here. I think, well, at least where I'm at, they they kept all the uh, golf courses open. My roommate, he's a, he's a golfer, and so he's played a couple times uh, during this whole corona thing. Lucky. Ours are all closed. But... I'm going to start making up random corona facts that, like, it's now mandatory to get a golf cart. It's the only way. Just did you, ask, did you read that article? Like now everybody does. Don't you know? Like you have to have a golf cart. That's what yeah. they said. <laughs> I get my news from my dreams. <laughs> like, <laughs> I feel like if you're confident enough, you can really tell anybody anything, and they'll believe it. You just gotta have. You just gotta have a lot of confidence. Being on the internet, the things I've read about myself, I've read many times that I'm a man. Really? Yeah. Like I mean, I know I'm not like. Cindy Crawford, but geez, like, I mean, yeah, I don't know what that people, I, I, re, I used to read a lot of crazy rumors that like when, when you've had any kind of reasonable success, if I can say I have, they start attributing like supernatural powers. So I read that I actually had like a team of people. I wasn't just one person. And, I mean, right. none of it made any sense, but uh, I like to see the, the fill-in of insanity in the absence of fact, right? And you're seeing that right now in these times with this. Oh, definitely. People are like, we don't know what's going to happen. Let's just say something and hope it comes true or something. (laughs) Do you have any conspiracy theory friends? I've got a few. They like... Oh, yeah. I mean, I got... Yeah, I got... I (laughs) I talked to a lot of people that are like, hey, it's like 5G is like my... um, Actually, my weed dude, he's a flat (laughs) earth guy. Oh, boy. And he was talking to me saying like it was like a 5G thing was like, I guess the symptoms of coronavirus are similar to that of like radiation poisoning. And it's all coming from the cell phones. Oh, boy. Uh, this, that I've heard... crazy him and be like, well, that depends if you like believe in cell phones. Just, just... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and be like, depends on if you think the earth is real. What flatter? <laughs> <Like>, yeah. <laughs> it's all simulation, dude. It's not flat. <laughs> 
see do that he'll like he will freak out you might not get your weed delivered maybe be careful <laughs> yeah, I can't. I mean, I can't be. It's a, it, there's a line up to where I can insult him before, like he starts pinching off the pinching off the bag. So it's a it's a delicate relationship we have. But <laughs> I mean, oh, back in the day when I first used to do this, I I saw a guy once in Houston. I look back. This guy ran a major company, so he was not. He was like a regular part of society. But I look back and think maybe he was trolling me because for fun, because he used to tell the most ridiculous lies. And because I was young and broke, I was just like, okay, because you yeah. know, money and <laughs> harmful or scary. Now I would be like, oh, you're probably going to kill me, and I would leave now. Yeah. He said once that he never needed to sleep, and what? of course you'd catch him asleep in the middle of the night. Of course. <laughs> he didn't really have to eat, and so he would take me to restaurants, and he would just like sit there and watch me eat. Uh, really. Well, I'm quite sure that at some point he ate. I never saw it, but I know he must have. Right? He was alive. That guy probably ate weird, though. Yeah, he dumped a lot of pepper on his food when he did eat, like a lot of pepper. Crap. How can you, I mean, like, <laughs> there's some lies you can tell that aren't really verifiable, but it seems like somebody you're going to spend the night with will be able to verify whether or not you're sleeping or not. Yeah. I, I Looking back, I mean, this is the naivete of having been in your 20s, because I can't believe I wasn't more afraid of him. I think because he ran this massive multinational company and he had kids and a family i was like well he can't be too nuts he had all the traditional markers of success but i think he would just like he said that uh he had these you know fabergé eggs those painted eggs from russia oh yeah yeah well so you can buy like fake ones at you know pottery barn or something and put them in a curio cabinet they're just tchotchke for your house you know people have like decor in their house like stuff just to make it pretty and so he had a few of those and I was like, oh, Fabergé egg copies. And I I knew they weren't real Fabergé eggs because the real ones are in like the Hermitage Museum and they're priceless. Like nobody has those, right? They, they go in museums. And he was like, yeah, those are Fabergé eggs and Napoleon gave them to me. <laughs> Fucking Napoleon? Like well, Napoleon Bonaparte? Bonaparte? <laughs> what? Yeah, right? And also Fabergé eggs are from Russia and Napoleon was from Paris, so wrong country. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And at the bottom of them, they had stickers on that said Pottery Barn, so they were not from Napoleon. Dog, what the fuck? How did I stay? And I saw this guy for a couple of years. I mean, if I mean, if the price is right, you know. Hey, why was I like those? I like those Fabergé eggs you got there. You know, yeah, that's what I did. I was like, wow, cool, great. Was just like, what the fuck. Maybe you should. You gotta take off. You gotta if you're gonna lie. You gotta be a good. You just gotta. Make sure it's a good lie. You can't be saying it's a Fabergé egg and not take off the pot- pottery barn sticker. That's... I mean, I really think I don't. I haven't talked to him in years, but I think he was just messing with me just to have fun. He must have been right. I don't know. Yeah. Or it was like some kind of early dementia. I don't know because <laughs> he was older, maybe, <laughs> like going all around the bend. I don't know. Maybe that's the. Maybe it's like at that point, like that's the only fun you can have is just like telling like little lies and being like, "Oh, she believed it. I'm having fun. Whatever. It doesn't hurt anybody." But he saw on, women. He had this penthouse apartment in a major city that was just for meeting girls. He didn't actually live in that very nice apartment. He just and so the doormen knew and they didn't really care. And so yeah. he had a different one every week. I was one of several, but uh, I think he was just having fun. I don't know. I never asked. I finally got too freaked out by him we never saw him again this is god almost a decade now but (laughs) the alternative was not being able to buy groceries or pay rent so 
I didn't really care if some weird old dude was lying to me. I mean, yeah, say whatever, say whatever you want, dog. Just keep paying, please. Well, and he was very easy to hang out with. It was nothing demanding. So what the hell, right? Yeah, it's different if you're like lying and then like actively like forcing them to be like, you better believe. Like versus like telling a lie and then it's like, okay, it's 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 whatever, you know. Well, you know, emotional labor versus physical, right? I was kind of a. Yeah emotional labor i never wanted to be physically very taxed so i chose the way i chose uh others choose differently i had a good girlfriend in new york who she did not enjoy being like high-end multi-hour travel dinner she went back to being one hour just fun and then back home to her family she was like i don't want to go to dinner with these guys i don't want to go on trips with them and yeah that's her choice she probably made more than me but she just you know everybody's different right and it's fine yeah yeah, definitely. I know uh, you're a pilot, right? How uh, how long have you been flying? Uh, so I flew for a hobby when I was in grad school. And then uh, I got my commercial licenses uh, right before the Great Recession. So like 2007. Uh, okay. Did that is be- it becomes a really expensive hobby if you want to fly big, fast equipment. Okay. If you want to fly anything more than like a little tiny crappy plane, you got to fly commercially for pay and probably on somebody else's dime. So... I went and got all those licenses and tickets and then I flew cargo and I flew some charter and right now I'm a flight instructor. So. Okay, sweet. Yeah. It's beautiful. The world's beautiful from above. You don't see the problems. You just see the beauty. Hell yeah. What, uh, what made you like, uh, interested in flying? Have you just like your whole life, uh, wanted to fly or. Um, my, so my mom's dad, my, my maternal grandfather was a pilot in the air force. Okay. Fuck yeah. I flew with him a little bit. I, I think also I'm a bit of, a rebellious woman. I, I look very feminine, but my interests sometimes are masculine. Well, that's not entirely true. I like cooking and fashion and makeup, but I also like to shoot guns and fly planes and ski pretty in the trees. And a lot of what I, I like golf. I like, well, a lot of the things I like aren't really girly. Like I don't enjoy shopping for clothes. I, I do it because I need to look nice, of course. But um, I think that might've also made me a decent companion because some of the things i like are kind of guy things right so yeah these guys could have a travel partner who didn't want to spend all day on rodeo drive shopping not that they didn't take me there but that's not my favorite thing to do uh i'd rather go play golf and then they could have the hot chick right so oh i'm sure they love that yeah probably and and i think i wanted to fly because it was something they said girls don't do and and if you tell me it's something that I can't do or shouldn't do, I'm definitely going to do it. Yeah. Because I've got that kind of rebellious thing in me. How is it being a female pilot in a like male-dominated industry? It's a pain in the ass. We're 94% female, I think now, 95. Uh, and you get sexually harassed all the time. I got, really? I've been hit on and aggressively hit on in every job I've ever had and by other pilots, by bosses, by... Yeah, and so... That's why I don't mind being an escort because if I'm going to get uh, bothered for for my femininity, I might as well get paid a lot for it than yeah. do it, refuse to pay me, and then try to get me fired when I say no. Which has yeah, that's been I've suffered greatly at the hands of men that I refused to give sex to in aviation and in other jobs. Damn. Well, you know, can't have it both ways. You can use as a woman, you can use your sexuality to get things, but when you refuse to give it sometimes guys get mad right yeah it goes like that i've also never paid for a drink in a bar so i got that going for me 
<laughs> God damn, that's that's nice actually. You know what you would like most about being female? You never have to work for sex. You can just go outside with a pulse and somebody else. You might not call you tomorrow, he might not like you. Yeah. But you never have to be starved for sex if you're female. It's yeah. It's easier, I guess. We get that. Yeah. I was talking yeah, I was talking to one of my friends and uh <laughs> I'll be like, we're it's I'm like I'm like, we're, it's just like, it's a lot easier for you. It's just a different, it's a different thing. Like she, yeah. Well, you guys will give it away. I mean, stop doing that. Yeah. <laughs> if you guys would hold out on us, then we would chase you, but you don't. That is true. It's just like dudes, like lack of self-control is uh, truly a problem. It's <laughs> So it must, I mean, I'll never be a man, so I'll never know. As good as it feels for us, it must feel amazing for y'all because you seem to want it even more than the horniest chicks I know. So I don't know. Maybe it's even better for you guys. I don't know. Well, maybe maybe one day we'll be able to figure it out. Maybe I guess. Some... <laughs> I'd like to know. Maybe for a day just to see what it's like. Fuck yeah. I, uh, so I looked up Mensa last night because I saw that you're a member of Mensa, right? And uh, so it's the High IQ Society. How do you become a member of that? How can I get in? How, how do I do that? Oh, douchey. So you can take... You can go on their website and they have approved IQ tests. There's lots of different ones that are approved and you can take one. And if you score in the top 2% by whatever pool they have, I guess, uh, then you get in and that gets you a whole bunch of nothing. Is, is there any kind of like valid, like, like say I'm going to take, I want to take a Mensa test, right? But then I just get my other friends over here that are also really smart. We take it all together. Is, can you do that? Or is there some kind of like, uh, a way for them to know that it's legitimately you taking the test or? Well, I don't know because I got in on my GRE scores. So um, oh, okay. I'm not good at much, but I am very good at taking tests. So when I was in my last year of UC Berkeley, I was going to come down to LA for graduate school. I wasn't sure exactly when, like I wasn't applying right away. I thought I'd work for a while first. But so I took the graduate record exam, both the general and the subject, which my subject was molecular biology. That's what I majored in. And that's what I was thinking I would go do a master's or a PhD in. Ended up switching to an MBA, but that's another story. So I took the general GRE and the subject. I did not study. I took it with a hangover and I only missed one. So... Well, it's not a useful skill, but I am very good at filling in bubbles on scantrons. I'm sure that's not how they do it anymore, but <laughs> 20 years ago they did. Um, so I don't know why. My, my father's a professor. I think academia is either in my blood or culturally is in me because I grew up around it. My parents are academics. Um, and IQ tends to measure that, like how good you are at standardized education, you know, reading yeah vocabulary and so it's terribly biased i you know i've met as an escort i've met men who couldn't put two sentences together and yet they had construction empires because they knew how to build um yeah could manage people they could manage staffs of thousands of people i couldn't do that i hate people i i can't get along with anybody just look at twitter um (laughs) so you know i don't know what i don't know that having a high iq is that valuable or important, but it is useful in academic settings. So school was very easy for me and, uh, okay. For whatever. So if you want to, if you're good at taking tests, you probably fly by, but I, so cheating cheating on a test, I don't know, but that's, but I got in on my GREs. So. Okay. 
Because, like, I was in the Duke Talent Identification Program when I was a kid, so I'm like, you know, they knew something was up, so <laughs> maybe I should do it. Yeah. Okay, it's also <laughs> a test or another one, see if you... But, uh, but Mensa, it's a bunch of people who just get together and argue about nonsense, so, I mean, you're not really missing anything. And if you really want to be, like, extra, there's actually one called the Triple Nine Society. I'm, I'm also in it, if I'm going to be... Ooh, Triple Nine. That's uh, 99.9% high IQ. It's even harder than Mensa to get into. Fuck. Now yeah, that seems like Intertel, that's 99th percentile. So there's not just Mensa. Okay. Nine triple nine. Is there is there any uh is the Illuminati real? Is <laughs> no. I mean, look, half these people, I went to a Mensa regional gathering and half the people in there couldn't even get along with another human. So I don't know that having a high IQ Yeah, yeah, if you work I mean, I worked in biotech between undergrad and grad school. And, you know, if you work in a biotech lab behind a bench, probably being that kind of a mind is useful, right? Yeah. Uh, but it's very uh, harmful for other things. You know, you can't, there's a lot of people I can't communicate properly with and think that I'm weird. And I get annoyed when I taught in grad school, um, my teaching evaluations, uh, some of the students were very angry at my impatience with them like they would come to class and if they asked a question that i knew was in the reading then i knew they didn't do the reading and so sometimes i would tell them like why don't you go home do the reading and come to class when you've done it and that's not a nice thing to tell people now i'm right they should do the reading but when you are a bit like me mentally and you say something like that you don't realize the effect it has on another person's emotions right yeah yeah so my father is even smarter but he's probably somewhere on the spectrum uh, he's a professor. He's a complete madman. Uh, we were at his country club and the other day, and he was on the treadmill jogging. And one of his old man buddies came to say hello, kind of waved over at him across the gym a few treadmills away and said, hey, good to see you. And my dad looks over at him and suddenly hollers, I have enough friends. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now, in my father's estimation... Mission accomplished. I He wanted to run on the treadmill and not be talking because he was out of breath, right? Yeah. But a normal person would say, hey, catch up with you in 20 minutes. Hang on. I'll, I'll circle back in a minute. And my yeah. father then said that. And then when I said, dad you, dad, you can't talk to people like that. He said, well, but I don't want him to talk to me. So I've succeeded, right? <laughs> See, he's all about practicality. I like yeah, that. Or something. <laughs> I don't know that men says that great of a thing. I, I just said it because the kind of men that I wanted to attract as an escort tended to be, I like brilliant people. And so I thought maybe if I kind of said I was brainy, which is true, that maybe they would think about trying to meet me. Yeah. How long, uh, how long have you been uh, escorting? On and off. It's been, gosh, 16, 17 years. I've taken a couple years off. Um, okay. A few times. Get burnt out. I fell in love once with this giant douchebag who was, oh, he was real hot and real stupid. He was like a human <laughs> retriever. <laughs> oh, and he, of course, it was so fun for a couple of years and then it was not. Yeah. But uh, I tried to be in love. Didn't work out. How did you uh, get into companionship? So I was in college at Berkeley and I had a sorority sister who was doing it. Uh, she, okay very pretty and uh her parents had gotten divorced and uh she'd had to move out of the sorority because she couldn't pay for housing and then she was super broke and then i went to summer school one summer and she was there that summer too 
and she got this nicer apartment and she got a new car. And I was like, why is your dad like helping again? Or, and she confessed that she was working for this agency in San Francisco and seeing tech guys for dinner in a few hours and going home with a few thousand bucks. And I was like, wait a minute, I'm doing that for free. Fuck yeah. <laughs> Tell me about that right now. <laughs> well, my first impression of it was obviously such a privileged end of the spectrum. I didn't hear about the bad stuff. So naively, yeah. I thought it was all like that. Yeah. And, you know, it's not, as you know, but um, that, you know, when, when you get told only one side of it. So I shelved it away. Didn't do it then, but I was already dating a rich guy. I didn't date college boys. I dated a doctor. So I kind of yeah. already had that gold diggery thing in me, I guess. My, my dad provides for my mom and she's younger than him. And I guess it's kind of what I've seen. And it's what I do. Oh, okay. And then yeah. when I came to LA for grad school, he and I ended up breaking up. We didn't, we didn't make it long distance. And so then I was broke and lonely. I had been with one guy. I was kind of brokenhearted, didn't really want to do anything deep. And I had all these giant bills like for grad school and he took away my car. I didn't, I was living in LA with no car. So I oh, had, fuck. yeah, I had an immediate need for a serious income. What should I have done? I guess I should have dropped out of grad school and gotten a job. All I was qualified to do at that point would be to work in a lab because I had an undergraduate degree in molecular biology and I didn't want to do that. So I looked around for an agency to work for like my friend had done. And uh, I didn't have any boobs yet and I had an even bigger nose than I have now and nobody would hire me. But they hired, you know, Playboy Bunnies and Centerfolds. This is LA. Yeah, yeah. Like a LA four. Uh, I thought I was hot shit because I was from Berkeley where if you, you know, shave your underarms, you're like a 10. But, uh, <laughs> but I was not that hot here. So nobody would hire me, but this one agency owner told me, she's like, oh, you're young and smart and funny and cool, and you could do this on your own. And I was like, what? And she said, check out this site. It's called Eros Guide. And so, <laughs> yeah, I looked that up, and, you know, it ain't rocket science. I was like, yeah. oh, I need a name. I need a phone, an email, some pictures. And that was it. I was off to the races. Looking back on it, are you glad that you didn't – end up working for the agency initially or and going independent or do you still like kind of look back and be like, I kind of wish I kind of still was able to do agency work before starting out on your own. Well, she ended up in real trouble a few years later. So I guess it's good. I wasn't with her then, but she yeah. was a good person and she's fine. She's emerged from it and survived. And now she like writes books and does speeches and stuff. I liked her. I, I think it would have been fine. She was one of the more ethical ones. Some are trash, right? But, um, they painted her as a bad person, but I spoke to her several times. I don't believe she was. Now I might be wrong. You know, I didn't meet her. I didn't didn't know her life, so maybe she was abusive and horrible. But I I think it would have been fine if I had worked for them. I would have had more time for school, and that's why a lot of people prefer agencies because they've got other things going on: family, job, school. They don't have time because the grind of doing it independently. You know, you you get to keep all your money, but you spend it back on marketing and you spend your time on the internet working. So. Oh yeah. I mean, that's the amount of time you're spending marketing yourself. I mean, ads are expensive. I did an episode that came out yesterday where, I mean, Eros now is like a couple hundred dollars a month plus whatever other marketing costs you have, photo sets, freaking yeah. responding to people. It's a full-time thing. It's, it's a lot yeah. of work. The only thing that's obviously better about being independent is that you cut down the volume of men you see because you can, you can book them at your schedule instead of calling in for duty and seeing whoever wants an escort that night. Yeah. Um, although I think some agencies 
they they send your regulars your schedule and pre-book you anyway. And then the argument would just be, well, why do you need the agency anymore? Nobody's doing anything for you if you're seeing only regulars. You kind of just yeah. don't need them. But they do sometimes. There are very, very high-end agencies. They're not even on the internet. They um, they represent really famous women. Like uh, one of my clients was a billionaire, and he showed me the manila folder of headshots. And some of these women are very famous and oh, uh, they cannot be on the internet like me. It would ruin their careers. They're actors and, you know, house oh, okay. women you know. Um, so they do it very privately and there's no website. There's, you know, the guys have a cell phone of a manager and they do it very low tech private. So that still occurs, but that's the very high end, like Monte Carlo, you know, 40,000 oh, okay. night stuff. That's not for regular people. And those yeah. agents never would have hired me. Oh, uh, were you, is that what you were trying to, is that what you were reaching for kind of thing? Like that kind of agency? Yeah. The one I was reaching for was like the, it was pretty, maybe not quite that fancy. She did have a website, but she didn't have that many pictures. You had to have a password and most, oh, okay. of, most of her employee women did not have pictures because they wanted the discretion because they were models and actresses. Okay. And, and I was so delusional from Berkeley. I thought I was hot shit that I could get hired by that kind of thing. And no, absolutely not. Yeah. <laughs> so I just not I was just not pretty enough. And you know, then you get surgery and you improve your looks a little and maybe but uh, then you start to get too old. That's the other problem that happens on the other end. But yeah. Um, yeah, I I was always a B plus, not an A. Like I got scouted for Playboy. They did the interview in Burbank, sat me there, and then they decided I was not quite hot enough for US Playboy, but I could be international and I could be web. And hey. I, that's yeah, so good. I mean, it's fine to be a B plus, but I've I've happily realized that my that I'm a solid seven and a half, eight. And you know what's wonderful about that is I didn't rely on being. I had to have a personality. I had to be funny and smart. And I think yeah. it's better to not be so physically perfect because when I lose that pretty soon here and become an old lady, I'm not going to be so dependent on having been hot shit right it's fine yeah so nothing i I definitely i definitely understand that especially i mean i mean i'd say you know i'm also a seven and a half eight so i mean (laughs) i get get what you're going through well and it's so perceptive i think you're great looking but it's i mean there's preferences too right i mean yeah sure everybody thinks Thamesworth is hot but it's fine to be unconventional looking i tend to attract men who like the kind of italian mediterranean look and for those men I'm the most beautiful person they've ever seen. Yeah. Great. But as I said earlier, this business is probably easier if you are 28, skinny, and a white blonde girl. It's probably going to just be easier because more people like that, right? Yeah, I mean, when people push the idea of beauty on you, you you like you kind of see that as beauty even though you know you're like i don't really understand why but it's like just because it's just been pushed to you your whole life yeah, racism and... hegemony and you know the dominant culture always decides the norms whatever's proper table manners or proper attire or what's considered beautiful and in this horribly racist country the dominant culture was you know scottish irish british descent white people right yeah yeah so, i don't know why we think I mean, I'm Jewish. I don't know why people think Jews are ugly. I don't know. What's the problem with having a little bit bigger nose? Why is that Why is that bad? And same thing with now over 40. I love being this age. I don't understand. What that's what I'm, I don't know. I think times are changing a little bit. I think, uh, yeah. I think, oh yeah. 
That's that's, that's how I feel. Yeah. Times are changing. The future is gonna be a lot different. These old motherfuckers, these old motherfuckers gonna be gone, and then we can yeah. run how shit how we want. You know. Well, I've noticed in modeling that because all these old white guys are dying off, that the newer models are not nearly as anorexic because younger men they want the mass. Hell yeah. I don't know who ever liked that anorexic look, but young guys don't. I feel like as more as, as hip hop is integrated into American culture, people are like, you know what? That booty, I like it. And now girls can eat and not have eating disorders like everybody did back in the day. It's lovely. Especially like twerking is like twerking is really taken off. I feel like <laughs> yeah. uh, <laughs> nobody wants to see some anorexic bony ass twerking. That's just sad. Yeah. I didn't say it, but yeah. Hey. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I mean, norms. I'm glad they changed. I guess that's why we have to die, right? You die out with your shitty ideas and get replaced by some better ones so slowly. That's what, that's what my mom says all the time. She's like, there's a reason like God didn't make people to live to be like 200 years old. She's like, new ideas have to progress, and for that to happen, old, older people have to die off. You know, it's like, She's yeah. smart Well, they say society improves one funeral at a time. <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. We're all, yeah. <laughs> I hope so, right? I hope so. Yeah. When uh when you started a uh, companionship, right? Did you have? I know you had your your friend that worked for the agency in San Francisco. Did you have any expectations of what like companionship was? And when you started, did that differ from any expectations? Or you kind of go into this like, we'll see what happens, kind of like open minded. What are you? How how do you feel? Well, obviously, I thought it was all fanciness and high pay and tech bros that would be super smart and classy and. You know, I thought you go see some nerdy rich guy who doesn't want to marry you and you probably wouldn't anyway. And and to some degree, that has been the nature of my career. But the problem was that because she told me it was all so perfect, I didn't know how to screen properly. So uh, I didn't screen when I was new. I, I hung out my shingle on the old Eros Guide. And the first client was a Hollywood agent who I saw for like, God, 10 years. We went all over the world together. And he was awesome. But my second client was a cop. <laughs> oh fuck yeah that date was fun until it wasn't (laughs) like did you actually get like arrested yes i did oh man you know he was a great actor and he was kind of nice looking for an older man and i thought i had met somebody lovely who lived kind of close to me and would maybe take care of me and i was trying to do a good job to make him like me so he would see me again and again and instead he fooled me and i got thrown on the floor and put a gun to my head and Went to, I went to jail for about an hour and a half. The sandwiches aren't very good in jail. I don't recommend them. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I want to take <laughs> sandwiches with the crust cut off, the same as they have at the Ritz Carlton in London for high tea. Except it's a lot different than the Ritz Carlton in London. <laughs> I was be like, damn, they serve at Ritz Carlton sandwiches in jail. Maybe we're gonna see what that's I would about. Have been murdered if I had said that. Although I haven't <laughs> been to the Ritz Carlton high tea yet, that all came later, of course. Um, I met I met a woman in there who was in there for check kiting, writing bad checks. Okay. She told me all about how you do that. Uh, so had I wanted to embark on a career of check kiting, I would have been an expert by then. Uh, and about a year later, I was walking through the Beverly Center with some girlfriends who had no idea at that point I, I was an escort. I hadn't been outed yet, so nobody knew. Um and I was walking, and this woman came that I had been in jail with. Uh-huh. <laughs> walking the other way, she'd probably just written some bad checks to Forever 21, for all I know. Uh, and she was like, hey, how are you? And my girlfriends were like, do you know her? I was like, nope. <laughs> 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 
never you know got, again. You got to be, be twisted. I don't know who you think I am, but shit. Yeah. Well, but, but it was awful. They interrogated me, and he was such a creep, this cop. He retired with honors now, and, you know, uh, it all got dismissed because he did things he should not have done. Uh, but he also tried to. He was like, "You're too good for this," because you know they search your car and they find out you really are a grad student. He was like, "You're too good for this business, and you should instead date my rich brother who lives in like Laguna Beach." I was like, "What the fuck are you talking about?" You I'm gonna sitting here. I'm gonna the- arrest. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm gonna like, arrest you, and then try to hook you up with my brother. How yeah, like now you're gonna be my pimp and hook me up with your rich brother because you're saying that's safer. And I'm sitting here in my underpants and handcuffs when you guys have photographed me and you're laughing at me and I'm shivering and you're interrogating me. And I mean, I don't even know if he really had a rich brother. It was probably that good cop, bad cop bullshit they do where they're just lying to you. And this guy was, he should have gotten an Oscar for what a good actor he was. Damn. Uh, yeah, he was very successful at his job, a disgusting human being. And I, instead of, they wanted me to be ashamed and hate myself and repent they offered me a job in a house cleaning service <laughs> and really, uh, yeah, fuck that. And instead I got mad because I was like, I didn't hurt anybody. And this would have been dating. He would have become a regular cause he would have liked me. They all did. They always yeah. do. And this is not evil. You're the ones lying. You're hurting people. I'm not. And so I just got mad. And so I called that Hollywood agent. He said, I told you, you didn't screen. This is, I told you you're going to get in trouble. I learned immediately to screen, which probably saved my life later because the next liar, instead of being a cop, could have been a murderer, right? Yeah. And getting arrested, but getting killed is worse. That for sure. Did anybody help? Did anybody help you initially starting out? Like I know, like with screening and stuff, how do you, how do you, how did you learn that? Well, after that that happened, I took a few weeks off. I I knew I couldn't quit because now I suddenly had like $50,000 of legal bills. So I definitely couldn't quit. So the Hollywood agent, he was like, well, I'll keep seeing you. And I was too afraid to see anybody new for a little while. So I went deeper into debt and I spent weeks reading everything, everybody's website, the message boards they had back then. I messaged other veteran successful companions to ask because I knew, okay, I need to be doing this better because I, I got fooled, right? I got lied to and and now I'm in trouble and I can't quit because now I'm even more broke. So I, I learned and there were, there was one, oh, what was her name? She was so famous when I started Nikki Soleil. She helped me. Morgan Ashley helped me. Oh yeah. Um, they sent me some of their regulars. So I had clients, which I, I'll, I'll be grateful to them forever. These are women who are all retired now. Um, and they're fine, by the way. They're perfectly fine in life. Yeah. Um, the uh, Alley of Los Angeles helped me out. So, yeah. And because I told people what had happened to me, I suddenly became legitimized in my industry because but this trial by fire of getting popped People were like, oh, well, she's real. <laughs> that is true, yeah. In a twisted way, I earned some street cred. <laughs> Go figure. <laughs> yeah. I know you said you're like currently out to uh, like your family and stuff. How did, how, how was that? How was that coming out to people, people close to you? So after that arrest happened and I reached out to my industry for help, um, I quickly got legitimized. And then of course I was good at my job. So the two or three people I've then met were like, Oh yeah, she's great. And I got more and more successful slowly digging myself out of my problems. And, uh, there was a site called the erotic and the man okay. who owned it named David Elms took an interest in me and he would email me 
And then he asked me one night to give him my number. He wanted to talk to me about some business stuff. And stupidly, I did. And so he started calling. And he lived not far from me, about 10 miles away. And he kept asking me to come over. And I knew he was hitting on me. I'm, you know, you're used to that when you're a 28-year-old woman. Everybody's hitting on you. Um, yeah. But he got aggressive. And as I got more and more successful and his review site got more and more successful, he started to say things like, you're not going to be able to get clients without me. I'm going to corner the market. He called women his inventory. And if you do that to me, I'm going to fight back just to show you that you don't own I'm coming, me. I'm coming for you, dog. Yeah. Well, I didn't want to sell sex acts. I didn't want to meet people who bought acts. I wanted to meet people who bought me and and didn't care what happened. They wanted to meet me. I don't want to be a commodity. Because then I'm replaceable. It's just stupid business to be commoditized. That's why the airlines don't make any money because they're a commodity, right? So I told him, I'm not going to be on your site. It's illegal to sell sex acts. And I don't want to be a commodity to make you money so you can go fuck yourself. And that made him mad. And I didn't realize I was poking a bear. He was a a a very bad person. uh, He had raped a woman. He was a crackhead. He collected automatic weapons. He was a real thug. Like in, yeah, I've read some not good things about him. Yeah, he's a, basically a gang member type. And over the years, we both got successful. And I didn't real. I knew he didn't like me, but I didn't realize how much he hated me. So in 2007, he bought my legal name, my my birth name dot com, and built no. a identical to amytaylor.com, except that the text on it outed me and also said some very creative lies, like that I slept with animals and things, some some good stuff. <laughs> who, who, would put, who would put that on their website, though, you know? Well, it had my address, my parents' information. Uh, and so a client sent that to me. By this time, I was about, I was had been successful for years, and we did. We had no idea who did this. I thought it was maybe a girl who hated me, competitor, or a, if I had pissed off a guy and forgotten about it, maybe. So the only way to get the private registration revealed was to file a lawsuit. That's the fastest way to reveal the hidden registrant who owns this. Yeah. So we, I had my lawyers do that, and I'll be damned if it wasn't him. So I remember I was in the grocery store buying salad, and I called him. My lawyer told me not to, but I'm so stupid I did. I called David <laughs> And I said, I know that you did this to me. And he said, if you come over to my house and have sex with me, I'll take it down. This is a motherfucker. God damn. It's drugs, right? He's a crackhead. And so I said, as I was picking up a bag of lettuce, I said, I'm going to fucking destroy you. And I hung up and we filed the suit. If you ever sue somebody, it's great if they're a crackhead because they don't show up in court. So we won, of course, because he didn't. (laughs) His date was too busy being on drugs. And then he got so mad. So, so it ruined my life. I got outed to everybody. I lost my boyfriend. I miscarried my unborn son. I lost my job. Uh, my family didn't talk to me for two years. I cobbled together a flight and a flight job in Phoenix and escaped there, rented an apartment so there wouldn't be any purchase of a home because already I didn't want him to know where I lived. Uh, and I uh, just was flying every day. I On Christmas, my family didn't want to see me, so I served meals to homeless in Phoenix, which actually was pretty cool. Um, and I just flew every day, just buried. And I was, my lawyers were figuring out how to deal with. And then one night I was driving back from Williams gateway Mesa airport to the apartment and, uh, the phone rang and it was my lawyer on the phone with the DA Christy bell in Phoenix. And my lawyer said, can you pull over? And I said, okay, I pulled over. Oh God. He said, David Elms is driving to Phoenix right now to kill you. What the fuck? 
Yeah. He was mad that I won the lawsuit. And so he, they, the major offenders unit intercepted him and arrested him and he got five and a half years in prison or something. And he's out on parole now and he has left me alone. And I obviously, uh, don't go to Phoenix. Um, I hope he continues to leave me alone. I'm sure he still hates me, but maybe he's cleaned up and gotten healthy and realizes he was obsessed with a bunch of photos. He never even knew me. He never met me. He was a guy. And it was some men in this business, unfortunately, especially pimps, which he's just an online pimp, right? It's the same as a pimp. I'm going to control your career. And if you don't, then I'm going to destroy you, right? It's just the same as a pimp. It's just internet based. And they hate women so much that if they can't own us, they want us dead. That's, that's the mentality of men who hate women, right? That's fucking crazy. Well, and I kind of engender that because I'm a very feisty woman and, uh, I've had several men, but he's the only one who's ever acted on it. Yeah. Um, most of the guys hide. So like, you know, right now, Eros and Erotic Monkey and Rub Maps and all of those are owned by this David Azado guy. The U.S. government's trying to get Azado. They haven't yet. They will. And he's your classic Eastern European helicopter-owning criminal. He's had a judge killed, and he's a real piece of work. But he hides out in Dubai and Switzerland and... This Holmes was different. He wanted to interact with people and he lived in the U.S. So it was bad luck, right? If I had lived in New York, it probably never would have happened. Is he still associated with the erotic review still now? Well, so the shell company was called Treehouse Park and it banked at Safe Harbor Bank in Anguilla or some Caribbean offshore bank. There has been no sale. Um, so many people think that he just buried it in shell after shell after shell company, which is what they do to try to hide. You know, they put 15 different shell companies in, in between and they try to say they don't own stuff. That's what Azado is doing to the U.S. government right now. He's claiming he doesn't own the biggest sites that are left, but, but he does. So that's what these guys do. They bury it in shell companies. And because those countries don't have to turn over records to the U.S. government, it becomes very difficult to find out who owns stuff. But the okay. U.S. government, the arm, they have infinite resources and the arm of pressure they can exert on other countries is pretty serious. They have trouble exerting pressure on like Switzerland and uh, Dubai, but yeah. on smaller countries, they tend to push and push until they win. It just takes time. It's very slow. It tends to take years. And plus, it's also money involved too to where it's... Well, they don't go after it if there's no money to get, because then how do the FBI agents pay for the millions of dollars they have to spend? You know, they have to justify their budgets, right? Yeah. So it's they like to arrest U.S. based people because they can freeze the bank accounts a lot easier, right? Like that's why Rent yeah. was such a great, great get for them. Yeah. And uh, Backpage less so, but you know, if the money's all overseas and the people are all overseas and the servers are all overseas, it becomes harder. But U.S usually keeps trying we'll we'll see i have no idea what how much effort is behind it if they'll give up if they won't i mean obviously in my opinion it's a medusa's head you you cut off david elms you allow azado if you somehow succeed in getting azado which i don't know if they will or not there'll be another david azado tomorrow well i guess essentially the are the government's goal is just get somebody at that head to where they can control and kind of oversee to where they kind of allow shit to happen. The best way to still make it legal, make it a sanctioned normal industry like you did with weed. And then, and then you can handle stuff in court like any other business. And when David Elms, I mean, they are sort of doing that, right? They arrested David Elms when he was trying to murder me, but 
I had a girlfriend in Canada the other day, a client came to her hotel room and he started being rough and she was able to just call the cops and deal with it normally. Yeah. It's so much better. Um, in, in England, in the London, the sex workers can, can go after men for non-payment or physical abuse. I mean, it's so much better in other places. Cause it's like almost to where it's like, you're doing something. It's if you're like, like trying to report a crime during commission of a crime, it's like it's different. In the, yeah, the U.S. is fucked. When I went after Elms, my court case, trying to just save my own life by shutting down that website that was ruining my life every day, the, the three judges threw my case out of court saying it's basically just one piece of shit fighting with another piece of shit. They didn't care about me at all. And Damn. Well, and I had a lawyer who was who was missing the fear chip and said, no, I'm going to fight for you. And we're going to find a judge that at least thinks David Elms is a bigger piece of shit than you. <laughs> and we did. But that took me an unbelievable amount of money and time and uh, suffered greatly in the interim. And most of the judges just were like, oh, get her out of here. She's garbage. That's what happened. And that's what this the U.S. thinks of people like me when we get killed. They don't care. Yeah. Phoenix, they didn't they didn't go after him because they cared about me. They went after him because it made great headlines in Phoenix to get him. I just got lucky. That's crazy. That's just like just him being upset for that long. I feel like he really needs uh, a big theme in the Medea movies is is always forgiveness. And I feel yeah. like uh, you know maybe he needed to watch a Medea movie. I think know. watching me. I mean, I get that now on Twitter that there's people who when you post that you have a nice life and something good happened to you they just hate you they just hate you it's envy it's envy well i mean it's a lot more fun to hate on shit sometimes than understand it maybe or that's just you know who who the fuck does she think she is you know all that garbage and i guess i should post more of the bad stuff because then they wouldn't think you're so arrogant but that's not good marketing right <laughs> <laughs> yeah a lot of a lot of so yeah a lot yeah twitter i mean so much is just marketing and it's like well if i post that yeah just like negative things people are gonna might not want to book me or see me differently but i mean but if i think positive things then i'm an arrogant bitch so yeah you can't win it's the internet i mean everybody does that too towards like to some extent towards like with comedy and shit it's like I, I could take a picture at a show and, and then post it on Instagram and be like, oh, man, the show was so awesome. But then reality, the show fucking sucked. Really? You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Some people do it all every time. Like, oh, man, they'll, they'll give shout outs. Like, oh, man, thanks so much for having me on your show. It was great. In reality, there's like three people there or it's like a super loud room. But you don't see, all you see is like, oh, man, look at look at this great picture of this person doing stand up. But that's like on <laughs> so, they'll be like, we had a great day on set and like nobody liked each other. And it was actually a horrible day. But yeah, you're not going to post that. Do you find what do you think of, of comedians who just embrace the brand of being arrogant, like an Anthony Jesselnick? Or somebody who I know it's an act, but they kind of just go full asshole. I mean, I mean, I like it. Um, plus, I, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a fan of darker comedy as well. Like I'd say, like yeah. Doug Stanhope. Doug Stanhope is one of my favorite uh, oh, comedians, yeah. and he's super dark. But I mean, I like it. I just you have to in the end of the at the, at the end of the day, you have to be funny. You know, yeah. nobody likes an asshole that's not funny. Yeah. So. You have to be funny, you know? And Auntie Jeselnik is fucking hilarious. His, the twist, right? The, always the unforeseen twist. And I, and I think, too, it's just, like, people hearing shit, not ne- not necessarily triggering, but also fucked up. It's, like, you need to be able to hear things that you don't agree with yeah. in order to, like, just grow as a person or be, like, find new ideas and shit like that. 
nothing shuts people up like performance. I used to argue with people when they would insult me online and I'm still learning not to. The smart young girls, there's so much more, the younger girls are more accustomed to everybody's entire life being online. And so being judged, they don't really care. They don't even acknowledge it. And they're, they're better at that than my generation. Um, yeah. Just last week, there was a thread about me that, you know, when I hadn't had a nose job yet, I was ugly. And now I'm over 40, so I'm old. But if but if I'm pretty, then I'm a know-it-all because I speak out about my industry. But if I don't speak out, then I'm not helping. Uh, no matter what you do, somebody's going to hate it. And I think the smart people just don't give it any energy, right? Yeah. People are going to people are going to fucking hate no regardless. Yeah. I I I didn't uh, ever think it could end up where David Elms took it, but that was fueled. I had heard a friend of his later told me that he would wake up in the middle of the night and start shooting at the wall cuz he thought there were people in his bedroom after him and there weren't and I got to think that's drugs. <laughs> that's <laughs> wild. Drug. What the fuck? Well, you know, don't be crack kid. Do you do you find that people come at you at a like check your privilege kind of thing at all does that happen to you yeah um they do i i know that i've probably done better in this business because i speak the same way that my clients speak because we both went to fancy schools and um i know how to use the right forks at dinner because i grew up we weren't rich but we we're you know classy um and I speak French, which always, for some reason, people always think that's fancy. I'm not sure why. We're Hungarian. My family's Hungarian refugees who got taken in into Paris because they were Jewish and they were being exterminated. So yeah. that's why I know French. But um, yeah, I get that a lot. And I probably marketed fancy too much. But the reason I did is I knew that I could get along with those men because I could present well. That was going to be my type. And, and indeed it was. So I was just trying to to get the types that I knew would like me because you know athletes never liked me actors never liked me you know I'm not a party girl I don't do drugs I barely drink I'm I'm not super I wasn't that hot and now I'm not super young so I was just trying to market snobby because I knew snobby men liked me (laughs) yeah and I mean you're going after your market segment like you gotta you know your market segment you're going after it and I knew where I did well um so I tried to be honest also that I live in a small apartment in a cheap city. I'm not rich. The men I see are sometimes very rich, but that's not my plane. That's his plane, right? Yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm no uh, richer than the lady who gets to be in his house because she's cleaning it. That's not her house, right? Yeah. So maybe, um, but I know what I've given up to succeed in this business. I know what it's cost me. So I don't worry too much about people thinking I had it easy because uh i know what's true and what's not yeah also yeah you yeah you ultimately yeah you know it's true yeah but that said i've had privilege i'm i'm white and skinny and that probably given our target market is old rich white dudes that that probably is what they like so you know i've been hungry i've been keeping my weight down for my entire life and uh i look forward to not having to do that anymore <laughs> <laughs> it's really not bad you should try it out it's uh that's what i've been, that's what I've been doing the doing the last 30 years it's <laughs> you know how hungry i am all i've been hungry for 25 years i'm so tired of it <laughs> <laughs> i uh i read uh, lola davina she has a book thriving in sex work where she talks about like emotional labor and physical labor of the job do you feel like uh it your job is more like physically laborious emotionally laborious um 
more physically laborious in the beginning when I was meeting lots of men and trying to find the few who liked me and I liked them. You do some volume in the beginning, trying to cherry pick who your crew is, but now it's emotional labor. Um, I uh, do a lot of texting. I do a lot of keeping in touch. I do a lot of remembering things about them. And yeah, there's still physical stuff, but that's, it, you become like the wife experience. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and maybe I'll get bored and go back to wanting to date around and date a bunch of dudes again after a while. I'm not sure what the future holds. Yeah. But it's far more emotional than it used to be. It was it was physical back in the day. Do you feel like increasing your rates increases like the your emotional labor? Or do you think it's really a time thing to where you're getting you're getting older, what people kind of expect changes? Or do you think that comes with a rate change or is it like a time thing? When I raised my rates, it was simply because I was too busy. Everybody was eagerly rebooking at the lower rate and um, my regulars couldn't get on my schedule and started to get mad. So um, I knew it was too cheap. And so I raised it, raised it, raised it. And now it sits where I am busy enough to be happy, but not so busy that I'm overworked or tired or angry or burnt out. Oh, okay. I have no ego about my rates. I adjusted, I adjusted it down. I used to charge more before the great recession. Um, and because a lot of my clients went broke, right? So um, the what does happen as you charge more is that um, men are very demanding of uh, your attitude and your physicality. You know, you show up with dirty feet or chipped nails, they will not call you again. Is there is, somebody I've heard that before to where people like, like really like your nails are like important. Is that like a, you think, you think that's a legitimate? It's a subconscious thing. They don't know why they're less attracted to you, but they do notice rich men, rich snobby men are pretty fastidious about grooming and cleanliness. They have to be if they're a CEO type who's on camera and running. It's so nails and you know, they do notice the tags on your clothing. They do. They don't say, they're not going to say so, but they're just not going to see you again. Um, And they've been exposed to lots of fancy shit. So they know they know if your clothes are well-made because they've, they've got a clothing stylist. So they know about stuff like that. Um, If you're too rich looking too polished, that can actually intimidate them because then they're like, Oh, I can't keep up. She's already got somebody taking care of her. Maybe I should go find somebody else. So it's a fine, it's a dance. Yeah. Um, They, they're demanding in that way that, you know, if you were to show up with dirty hair that smelled like sweat, that would be the last time you'd see them. Yeah. Be mean to you or say anything. They would just disappear. I've noticed um, very, very wealthy men, if you, so one time one wanted to change schedules on me, he was flying back from Asia. And I threw a little bit of a fit about the lost couple of days of income because he didn't want to pay for them. And I thought, this guy likes me, I should be able to negotiate some kind of fee for him changing the dates and taking up dates on my calendar that I could have sold to somebody else. Yeah, it was too rude. And I was too angry. And so he sent me a big giant check and a very beautiful necklace, and he never spoke to me again. Um, no. Well, he didn't do drama in his mind. Yeah. And so did I make a mistake? I don't know. If I had allowed him to do that, would he have flaked on me all the time and cost me too much money to be a good client? Maybe. So maybe I didn't have a choice and I had to get rid of him. Um, because, you know, you can't have a flaky client because you won't make any money. Um, yeah. So I don't know that I had a choice, but what I do know is that the way I handled it without grace and elegance and sweetness, I did lose the client. And that's because very rich men 
typically will not engage with drama with women. They will simply replace you. Do you think that was a good move on your part? Do you still feel like, are you glad that happened? Or do you wish you wouldn't have been so outspoken? Uh, he was lovely and I miss him. And he treated me incredibly well in every way, not just financially. If I had known for sure that he would only flake once, obviously it would have been better to let it happen, take the hit and keep seeing him for years and years. If okay. I had let it happen and he would have started flaking on me every single time, then then I had no choice and I had to lose him as a client. So I, I just don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, hindsight's also twenty twenty to where it's like you you, know, you never know what will happen in a situation until you get get behind it and you're like, oh, fuck, this is what happened? Well, yeah. I wouldn't have known that unless that actually happened, you know? I require deposits, and most of the men who've ever had to change schedules, they're just like, hey, keep the money. I don't care. Because okay. for super rich guys, a thousand bucks, it's not that big of a deal to them. Um, yeah. And so when you – I've been very rigid and serious about scheduling, but that said, so are they. If I were to try to reschedule dates on my clients or make up some bullshit about being too tired or they would be mad because I don't let them do that to me. So you have yeah. to do what you get, right? If if they are expected to be reliable, obviously so am I. Yeah. And I am. I do not overbook my time. I never show up unpolished. I never show up tired. I never show up anything but beautiful and happy and uh, doing a good job because they deserve nothing less. Yeah. I know it is a job. How do you feel on days? Do you ever have days where you're like, I don't know if I can do this? Yeah, that's when I take some time off. When I fell in love with the baseball player, the hot golden retriever who was dumb and happy and lo- and I fell stupidly in love with, yeah. uh, my heart started to be in the way. And um, I remember being in Miami with a client and it was a lovely client, somebody I knew quite well, but I just didn't want to be there. And uh, yeah. So it was time to take a break. And obviously, as I told you, that relationship didn't work out. And, uh, but I I wasn't in the right headspace. And so if I start feeling that, I know it's time to take a little break or vacation or something, do something else for a while. That's what's up. That makes sense. Yeah, they deserve focus, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. If I can. If, I, if somebody I detest so much, then I send them, I gently send them away because they should see somebody who really likes them. They shouldn't have a happy yeah. experience they deserve better than that and if it's not a match with me then they there's a zillion escorts they got to find one who really likes them i found some yeah. guys i like other girls didn't really like and vice versa you know? yeah is it uh it's kind of unrelated right so with your clients right there's like high like ceos like owners of like they're like owned companies these, these yeah. are balling ass dudes right yeah you ever get any good stock tips? Yes, many times. <laughs> yeah, no, I was, uh, some of them, if I had acted on conver- currency conversions, shorting companies that were about to fail, I mean, it would have been insider trading in some cases, and that might have been real bad. But uh, a couple of them, if I had acted on, I would be on, a, I would own an island and be retired now. That'd be nice. Yeah, oops. Uh, but, you know, for every one of those, I had, a, oh my God, I had a client right before the Great Recession who yelled at me for not flipping as many home properties as I could and doing zero uh, interest only loans and leveraging out to the hilt. And he had all these reasons why the housing market was going to go up forever. You know, population <laughs> increase, productivity was going to increase, everybody was going to have three homes. I mean, he had all this data and he was wrong. And one of us yeah. was bankrupt and it wasn't me. <laughs> Damn, yeah. I guess it's you gotta you gotta be delicate with what a <laughs> it's a delicate situation. I mean, those are smart men, but a lot of them are risk takers. Look what they're doing. They're meeting me. And they also yeah. have a longer income timeline than I do. When you're running a company, as long as you don't get dementia, 
they have yeah. big resumes and they're on the boards of 20 companies and they own, you know, tens of millions of dollars of stuff. I don't, I've got about another hot 15 minutes of being able to do what I do. So I always knew I got to be more careful and safe. Yeah. How long do you see yourself uh, working as a companion? Hmm. Until it's not fun or nobody calls. I mean, I would do it a lot longer if I could, because I love it at the way I do it now. Very limited, very, very small circle of friends, usually one or two main ones at a time for years. But I imagine, I mean, I'm 43, so I don't know if they're going to, these kind of men don't usually want to hang out with a 65 year old lady. I <laughs> If you, like if the clientele changes, I guess, like say, well, I guess, are you trying to stay at your current, like you'd want to stay at what you're doing now? Would you like work at like a, not necessarily like lower rate, but like change your, your business model, I guess, on who you're attracting, like, like well, as time goes on, like. I mean, you tend to see men who are at least a decade older than you. That's what they're paying for. It's typically someone younger and prettier. Uh, some go real young. Obviously, the ones who see me aren't going real young because they wouldn't be calling me, but they're still going younger. Um, okay. Chasing rich guys, you know, old guys tend to have all the money. But but the problem is as they get really old, there's a physicality problem. I have seen men that are in their late 80s, and uh, it's difficult physically. Uh, yeah. I don't know that I'd want to serve that all the time. I'd be worried I'm going to break them. Um, <laughs> yeah this dude has a heart attack and you're like fuck i'm about to explain this shit right yeah. that has legit i mean jesus when they got a walker and they take four hours to take a shower i mean i start to get scared like i know that's yeah crazy. but and the other other women can cater to that and god love them but i mean you can also go into fetish work where you're not necessarily selling looks and beauty and youth relative youth um dominatrixes can be very old uh, uh yeah so, I mean, maybe there's other forms of sex work. It's a big umbrella, um, but I don't know. I, I, it's such a, it's been such a weird narcissistic existence to brand myself and sit there and be like, you should pay me and like me and be fascinated by me. And I think in my older years, I'd, I'd like to focus on not me. I'd like to focus on other people and do something that does something for somebody who's not Amy, you know? Fuck yeah. It's kind of boring. I've thought about Amy for almost 20 years and I, she's been a fun creation, but it feels real self-absorbed after a while. Is there anything you can see yourself doing or anything you kind of want to do or anything you're passionate about? Like, I'd like to fly more as long as my health holds up. You've got to pass a class one medical every six months. So as long as my health holds up and I can fly, I'd like to continue that. My hearing okay. in my left ear is going so that... Uh, and then we have mandatory retirement at 65 for commercial flight, at least. Um, oh, really? Yeah, for pay. You can fly for fun later if you can pass a class two or three medical. Those those are rules that depend on how you can fly anyway. But um, so I'd like to fly. And um, I, I like, I don't know, I like yoga and dogs and cooking. And I'd like to help my sister take care of my parents as they age. I don't think it would be right for me to leave her to doing that all herself. She has kids yeah. and, and that would be pretty awful of me not to help. So I don't, I don't know what the future holds, but um, I'll probably miss all this. Right. I'll be like, when I was young and hot and men took me around, and nobody will believe me. I'll be like that demented lady talking about private jets. And they'll be like, yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> Liar. <laughs> just, just hit him with that foreign playboy cover. And then they'll be like, Ooh, I know what she's talking about. Fuck I mean, he's right. I said that to a lawyer the other day and he was like, Oh my God, you look so good. I'm like, thanks. Thanks for just calling me ugly with no makeup on. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, those photos, they could make 
they can make my dog look good at this point in those photos. Oh yeah. <laughs> I don't. I don't know. Like, what do they say? Man plans, God laughs. Yeah. This yeah. is certainly not the life I thought I'd have when I was a ten-year-old girl. It's been sometimes good, sometimes bad. So. I'm loath to make big plans because I'm almost sure that whatever I say is coming will not be the case. Yeah. I just hope you never know. I hope it's good. Yeah. I mean, a year ago now, I'm like, there's no way I knew that there was this podcast would even be a thing. So really, I mean, yeah. I mean, I, I really, I guess I started thinking about it maybe around, probably around June. The first interview I did was like July of last year, and then I didn't launch it till October. Um, so it's an idea I guess I had for a little bit, but it was like never a possibility without somebody I could interview initially, you know, it, it had to start somewhere. Were you scared to take the leap and go ahead and talk about a subject that can make the mainstream world uncomfortable? Or were you like, I'm going to go do this and just didn't? Uh, not really. I, yeah. I mean, I could give it, I mean, especially since I don't know who's even like, who's listening. I mean, I can give a fuck, you know, <laughs> I'm like, what, whatever, whatever you think, whatever you think. All right. Yeah. think whatever you want. I really, fuck. <laughs> it doesn't affect me because I don't know about it. So well, so, if it ever does, if you ever, as a six, you're, you're going to hear the idiots on Twitter being like, fuck that guy. I mean, do you care or no? Oh, man, that'd be great. You know, I, I, no, <laughs> I love you. <laughs> the hate on Twitter. I hear people talking about they get hate and shit. I'm like, you know, I wish somebody would really talk shit about me sometimes. You know, that'd be, that'd be nice. <laughs> that'd, be part, that'd be nice to be part of the conversation. They will. And you know what? You're winning because they're talking about you. Yeah, you know, hopefully they subscribed. All you know, gave gave me a five star review. Um, so you know, you never know what'll happen. <laughs> if you're not getting a little hate, you're not doing anything interesting. And some asshole sitting up there in the cheap seats, throwing bullshit at you because you're doing something interesting. I mean, really, fuck that person. They're not doing anything. I, I think it'll be interesting with the with the whole like parents thing. I know we talked about it earlier, but like my parents don't really know about the podcast. And talking to my sister, she's like, they don't need to know about this. And I'm still kind of in that same boat. But when they find out, I think that'll be that'll be interesting. I don't know how they'll take this whole thing. You, uh, one of the things that will happen after they get mad at you is they will tell you things you wish you didn't know. Uh, oh, God when, damn. Yeah, when you're honest about sex, one of the things that happens is people think they can tell you everything about their sex stuff. And sometimes you're like, I didn't really want to know that. <laughs> I think I, I I think the money I think the money thing will be a problem for them. They'll be like the mm-hmm. amount of money I spent will be the 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 issue. Well, I listened to one episode, and I mean it it's it's so fun, right? It's better than reality because it's a person that's catering to you, and that you got to watch the addictive part of that because. Oh yeah, I mean, I, I mean, look, some guy that was better than the kind of guys I could date for free, and now he's he's amazing, and he's also paying me. That's right. Because it's better than what, I mean, I was dating idiots for free. Yeah. So you got to kind of curb that and realize this is fun, but I can't, you know, like it it definitely, it definitely can be addicting for sure. I've definitely had, I feel like when I actually like, I feel like I do kind of go and like have like a binge kind of thing where I'll be like, Oh, I'll do this thing for a little bit. And then I'll be like, stop. And then I'll do something for a little bit and stop. But the binges get fun. They can be, they can be expensive, you know? Yeah. Client who used to often take like a year off from escorts just to make sure he could. He would do that. Oh. He's like, I just quit to make sure I still can. Which I think is good. Cool. To make sure it doesn't harm <laughs> you. You know, what do they say? You don't want to have a master, right? Yeah. For me, like finances, because when you first get into this month, this business and the money's fast, of course, for women, you want to buy all the clothes and all the shoes. And 
I did that. I marched down Rodeo Drive. You want to do it yourself, right? Not not a guy doing it. You want to take your own credit card. And and I did. Yeah. And then I was like, oh, God, I can't do this every week. Because okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I got a financial advisor. And at least the act of saving money in an account that they saw and I'd have to ask for if I wanted to liquidate it, it kind of saved me from myself, right? You set up, it's like a personal trainer or something. You set up somebody that's yeah. watching you. And so when your parents find out, that'll be good because if you are like homeless from seeing too many escorts, your dad will be like, hey, cut it out, dude. Yeah. God, I see my mom crying and shit. Well, <laughs> it's been a societal tool forever and it causes great damage. But in small doses, a little shame can be useful, right? It can. Yeah, no, no, for for sure. I think that's a, uh, we kind of get away from that to where it's like, oh, you're making somebody feel bad, but it's like, this person maybe needed to change and that's really the only way we can do it by talking shit to their face, you know? It's all a matter of degree, right? They love you and <laughs> will. And, oh my God, when I um, got outed, my mother said I was too old to be doing this, which made me laugh. I was only 32 when I got outed. Uh, <laughs> so she didn't know anything about how old you could be. And then my dad said, why do people pay that much money to hang out with you? You're not that nice. <laughs> Damn. I could have said something about the way in which I hang out with my clients, but I didn't want to do that to my father. Yeah, that's really nice. <laughs> kidding. And then he told me a story about he had hired an escort once in New York City when he was on a book tour from one of his first books. And she had stolen an ashtray from the lobby and they had called him up and said, please don't have her back here. And wow. <laughs> and then he told me he had dated an escort in Amsterdam when he was in high school, uh, uh, undergrad. So um, yeah. all this stuff comes out. And one of the things about putting yourself out there is that's wonderful is – you, your sort of, I don't want to say flaws, but they allow other people to reveal theirs. And in that sense, you can often do them a real service. Oh, definitely. No, like, I, yeah, definitely. Because I did an episode where I talked about like, like getting ripped off or whatever. And then people reached out to me and where they're like, Hey, I've also had that experience too. And I'm like, Oh shit. Nice. Like, just... right? it's, I think, uh, sorry, the dog bark. Um, it's, yeah, I think, but on the other hand, you have to be sensitive to if it makes them very uncomfortable, you don't shove it in their faces before they're ready. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's a de- it's a delicate situation. We'll see what happens, you know. <laughs> we'll take it a day at a time. Yeah, it's, it's uh, and you know, hell, maybe they never will, but who knows, you know. Yeah, I mean, ideally, ideally, I'd like them to find out about it. Easier. But, yeah, yeah but. When I got hurt, it sucked, but honestly, it was easier than uh, the lying was exhausting. It really was. Yeah. So I don't know. Fuck Nothing yeah. bad. It just is, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, Amy, I appreciate you. I appreciate you coming on the podcast. This has been a good time. Yeah. Likewise, it was a real honor to get to chat with you. Thank you. Fuck yeah. Where uh, where can the people find you on uh, social media? Um, I'm on Twitter, Amy Taylor One. I'm on Instagram, Amy Taylor LA. And uh, the official, the old official site, amytaylor.com. So I'm out there. Hell yeah. Amy Taylor LA on Instagram, Amy Taylor One on Twitter, amytaylor.com. Yep. Fuck yeah. Well, now I appreciate you coming on. This, uh, this has been a good time. Likewise. Thank you so much. Take care of yourself in these crazy times. Hell yeah. That's what we're trying to do. <laughs> you come to LA, I'll buy you a drink and a lap dance anywhere you want. So come visit us. Fuck yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> Fuck yeah. Well, listeners, uh, we will be back. All right. Later.
Later. That was my interview with Amy Taylor. Yo, shout out, Amy. Thanks for coming on the podcast. That was a lot of fun. That was a good time. Uh, <laughs> listeners, she just plugged it. I will plug it again. You can follow her on Instagram, at Amy Taylor LA, on Twitter, at Amy Taylor one I'll have links to all her social media as well as her website in the Libsyn page. Go to the Libsyn page. Give her a follow. While you're there, give us a follow as well. We are on Instagram and Twitter at Full Service Pod. My personal Instagram and Twitter at Tank Funkadelic. Thanks for being here. If you enjoy the podcast, make sure you're subscribed on whatever platform you're listening to us on. If you could give us a five-star rating, write us a review, that would be incredibly helpful. I recently got stickers for the podcast. If you want a sticker, send me an email. DM me. I can make it happen. Hit me with an address and I got you. Our email address for the podcast, fullservicepod at gmail.com. If you want to hear anything discussed on the podcast, perhaps if you just want to if you want to be on the podcast, if you just want to tell us how you're doing, send us an email. <laughs> but no, this has been episode 39. Thanks for being here. I uh, have some links for you in the Libsyn page for today. I have a link to a GoFundMe for the employees of Goodnight's Comedy Club in Raleigh. I also have a link to a GoFundMe for George Floyd and Breonna Taylor. And also a link to the Atlanta Solidarity Fund. It goes for bail for people that have been arrested protesting. and also helps them uh, get access to lawyers. So, hey, uh, if you're able to donate, that'd be great. If you're not able to, I completely understand. But I appreciate you being here. 10,000 downloads. It's fucking crazy. Y'all made this happen. I fucking appreciate it. Next week, I got a solo episode coming at you. So, hey, it'll just be me talking for a little bit. It'll be a good time. Uh, (laughs) But no, thanks for being here. I will see you on Tuesday. Peace. Full service.